Hey everybody, welcome back. This week we are featuring another Lady Killer episode. Kate and the Bloody Benders. Ooh. Sounds like a band. It does sound like a band. Sounds like a punk band. I like it. (laughs) If only it were just a punk band. Oh no. This story is bananas. It is too crazy to be true, (laughs) but it is true because, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction. So let me ask you this, Kenzie. Hmm. When you think of the great American West in the 1800s, what comes to mind? The Oregon Trail. Dying of dysentery. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> it was it was a highly probable. Yeah, uh, the Donner Pass. Okay, cannibals. So when you <laughs> think of the Great American West, very terrible things come to mind. Yeah. <laughs> so then this may, story may not be too surprising to okay. you. What about you, Denise? When you think of the Great American West in the 1800s, what comes to mind? Hmm. Well. People moving east to west and having battles with Indians and struggling to grow. Okay. Trains being put in, you know, things like that. Yeah, your typical things, you know, that you learn about in grade school social studies. We didn't learn this story in grade school social studies. So today I am going to share with you the story of the Bender family. And now we will use the term family loosely because there is some speculation that they weren't actually related. It was just a cover to make them appear to be this, you know, wholesome, wholesome American family, your regular everyday trustworthy neighbors, Yeah, you know? So the family members weren't related. It's it's possible. So this is the story of John Sr., Elvira, John Jr., and Kate Bender. They were an immigrant family from Germany. They had moved out west to the Kansas Prairie from Pennsylvania in the 1870s. Not much is known about their past prior to coming to Kansas. So they're kind of a mystery, So they settled in the northwestern portion of Labette County, where they purchased 160 acres of land. And over the next several months, they built a cabin, horse corral, orchard, water well, and a vegetable garden. So from all, you know, outside appearances, they looked like a hardworking family with dreams of owning land out west, creating a homestead, you know, your American dream. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything looks, you know, kosher. Curiously, their land, however, people noticed, was always freshly plowed. And they're like, hmm. But nobody really paid too much attention to it. Anyway, more on that later. Now, the truth about their relationships and identity and background was questionable. Like I said earlier... People weren't even sure if they were actually related, but some rumors circulated that the mother and daughter of the family were actually witches who had been driven out of a small German settlement in Pennsylvania. And other rumors questioned the validity of the family unit. Were they actually related at all? Neighbors believed that John Jr. and Kate were brother and sister, but contemporary newspapers wrote they were in a common law marriage. So maybe married, but acting like brother and sister. So, so 
common law, what does that mean? That they their marriage would not be registered by the state? They just had like witnesses in a ceremony? So I think, I don't think this is very common today, but back in that time and probably even earlier in the 20th century, if people were together long enough and like they, you know, cohabitated, they shared property, they had what was called a common law marriage. It wasn't, you know, registered per se, but let's say they had to go to court for whatever reason, the length of their relationship had some validity in Uh, like in court. I, I think that's what what that was about so would it be like considered scandalous to have a common law marriage i mean maybe in the 1800s possibly but there were no children involved so i think people probably wouldn't have you know paid much attention to it so the land that they picked out in the great prairie of kansas was adjacent to the great osage trail and this is the only main road available to travel further west. The plan was they were going to open an inn and a general store, which they did. It was nothing fancy. It was really a one-room cabin divided in half by a heavy curtain made of canvas that was actually what would have been used to cover a wagon. I guess, I don't know, what do you call those Conestoga wagons? So the Four Seasons, it was not. (laughs) The front half of the cabin was a small dining area and a miniature grocery store. The back room behind the curtain was the sleeping area. So guests would be sharing this sleeping space with the benders. All of them all snug as a bug in a rug. (laughs) Also on the floor of the cabin behind the curtain was a trap door, which led to a small storage cellar. So neighbors described the family as weird. The parents were odd and unpleasant. Pa Bender was about 60, and Ma Bender was in her 50s. Pa could not speak much English at all, mostly curse words. And Ma spoke a little more English, but they both had pretty heavy accents. Their son, John Jr., however, was in his mid-20s. He was handsome. People described him as a dashing figure. He spoke English fluently, but was known to smile inappropriately or at nothing at all. He was described by many as possibly having an intellectual disability. The youngest of the Bender clan was Kate, and she is the central figure of this story. She spoke perfect English with barely an accent. She was described as being quite the looker in her early 20s, tall, and described to have the face of a young eagle, whatever that means. I don't know. A young eagle? A young eagle. Maybe that's how they Dance describe an eaglet. With the face of a monkey. Was, what? Like, I'm thinking of, oh God, I'm thinking of uh, the first Frozen movie. Uh, at, what's his name? Alan. The guy from, uh, he played Wash on. Uh, oh yeah. Cummings? Yes. Alan Tudyk. Oh, he played the he did the voice of like the old ambassador that comes to their castle and he's dancing oh. around and um, the way he described the face of a young eagle just reminded me of how he's <laughs> talking about his dancing prowess. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love your little totally your little. unrelated. <laughs> 
Many of the papers loved writing about her and describing her appearance in detail and wrote things like she lured you in with her tigerish grace. (laughs) She had an animal attraction and she was a beautiful wild beast. Barf. (laughs) She did have a small burn or scar under her left eye, which only added to her appeal. Her intrigue. Yes. Her je ne sais quoi. Kate was remembered as being intelligent, outgoing, sociable, and a major flirt. Nothing wrong with that. She fit well into society, unlike her weird family. She was very popular and well-known in the nearby town of Cherryvale, where she attended church, rode horses, went to social functions like dances, and attended town meetings. She also took a job as a waitress in the dining room of the Cherryvale Hotel in 1871. Kate had a hunger for fame and fortune. She was always looking for ways to make money. And hey, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Side hustle. Right? Exactly. You get it, girl. She was also a bit quirky and dabbled in the world of spiritualism. So think like mediums and seances, which were really growing in popularity in the 1800s. And no surprise. Fraud and fakery were rampant in spiritualism. Just about anyone could call themselves a spirit medium and to make a quick buck. This became a very lucrative vocation for Kate, and she was known to give lectures on mysticism. She touted miracle cures made from herbs, would promote that she could locate lost objects with her psychic prowess, and even sold verbal charms. I'm guessing that means like spells. She was a savvy businesswoman and even had flyers advertising her skills and services. It read, Professor Miss Katie Bender can heal all sorts of diseases, can cure blindness, fits, deafness, and all such diseases. So she was like uh, the Coca-Cola of spirit mediums. Right. Yeah. You could say that. Yeah. Old timey Coca-Cola made with real Coke. Right. Yeah. It'll, it'll, uh, it'll quench your thirst yeah. and it'll cure all your ailments. And who knows what was in these herbal remedies. Yeah, snake oil. Yeah. Or nothing at all. Just water with like a, a, a smidge of flavoring. And it was amazing what was put into products back then. You know, before they realized that there were safety issues. 7-Up, you're all familiar with 7-Up, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the day when 7-Up came out, they used to put lithium in 7-Up, which is a very powerful mood stabilizer. Uh, Right. So that's why they called it 7-Up. They called it up because it boosted your mood. It it pepped you up. And I actually have a vintage decal that um, was printed, you know, in the early 1900s. It was never actually put on a bottle. It was just in like a, a stockpile of these old labels. And it has the, on the advertisement, it says lithiated 7-Up on it. That's crazy. Yeah, oh it's pretty sweet. Gosh. So I, I I ordered it, of course, just because oh. of my profession. <laughs> but it's pretty cool. I think I need some of that. Yeah. Is that a bad thing? Yeah. We put it like back in the 7-Up. They yeah. could do like a limited run. The original oh, recipe. Yes. <laughs> Classic. Thousand dollars a bottle. Sweet. <laughs> well, what about Coke and Coca-Cola? Yeah. Yeah. It did have real Coke. 
Oh, Coca. man, those were the days. <laughs> I know, man. Just <laughs> cocaine's a hell of a drug. I like to think about things that we do now that in the future, oh, yeah. people will look back and be like, what the hell were yeah. they thinking? <laughs> I wonder what those things are going to be. By all accounts, Kate was the most normal of the benders, but ironically proved to be the most evil of the clan. She was called a perfect devil by neighbors. Now, try to picture Kansas in the 1800s. The Wild West was still that. Wild. And known to be a violent and treacherous place back then. Not much of the land of the Great Plains had been settled. Travelers heading west made their way through Kansas frequently. And when rumors of missing men started circulating through town, it didn't really raise any eyebrows. This was a common occurrence out there. By 1872... The Bender Inn was seeing a steady stream of business, and Kate was quite the innkeeper, charming and flirtatious. But the inn, the grocery, and the home-cooked meals were all a front. The Bender business was actually murder, (laughs) and Kate was the bait. (laughs) Oh, I like how you rhymed that. (laughs) The unsuspecting victim passing through who was unlucky enough to stop off at the Bender Inn for a little R&R would be sat with their back to the grimy canvas curtain by their hostess Kate, who would distract them with her wily charms as Pa or John Jr. lurked silently on the other side of the curtain while clutching a hammer. Ma Bender kept watch outside. If another customer arrived at the inn, she would let out a high-pitched cough, alerting Pa or John Jr. to back off. If no cough was heard, they would wait until the guest leaned back against the canvas or brushed the canvas with their body, and they would bring the hammer down hard on their skull, crushing it. Oh my gosh. That was then Kate's cue to jump forward and finish the job by cutting the victim's throat. Dang. What a way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And remember that trap door that I mentioned earlier? Well, it would be open in the back and the body would be pushed down through it to the cellar. And sometimes they weren't always dead yet. (gasps) And guests have reported mysterious moaning sounds coming from below the house. Sometimes the job would have to be finished later. Oh, uh, this this uh, talk of the trapdoor in the wood cabin makes me think of uh, Evil Dead. There's a trapdoor in the cabin. I haven't seen Evil Dead. Oh, it's, oh my God. It's okay, amazing. it's going to be gonna... our next movie review. Okay, we're, okay. we're going to have to. Yes, it's, it is truly a gem of cinema. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> All I remember is you laughing hysterically and something about an uh, a chainsaw. chainsaw in place of some guy's hand and you could <laughs> yeah. not stop oh, laughing. That's in The Evil Dead. That's the third movie. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm looking so forward classic. to this. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes the job would have to be finished later, you know, after the dinner rush. Later that night, they would drag the body out to the orchard and bury it in a shallow grave. Pa would then plow the land repeatedly to hide the obvious freshly dug grave site. Hence, their fields were always freshly plowed. Mm -hmm. Their MO was always the same. They only killed travelers who were passing through alone. 
They never targeted locals as their disappearance would draw too much attention and no one was really keeping track of travelers passing through town. These were different times. People went missing and families wouldn't find out about it for some time, days, weeks even. The West was wild and dangerous and people would get robbed and meet terrible ends on the regular. They didn't call it wild for nothing. This was the perfect situation for the family that was spawned from the pits of hell. A genius yet diabolical business plan. Kind of reminds me of Sweeney Todd. The demon barber of Fleet Street. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was wondering, do they, um, you know, those bodies that they drag down in the cellar, would they collect their flesh and turn them into minced meat pies? <laughs> I know. Trapdoor. <laughs> yeah. Minced meat pies. A business that's, you know, kind of a front. Yeah. Sure. This oh. could have been, this could have inspired Sweeney Todd. Yes. <laughs> Canned meat right on the shelves. Yeah. What is their purpose for? I mean, they're not making any money killing these people. Oh, oh, oh you're going to come wait, to that? Yep. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, they weren't just doing it for fun, but I do. It does seem like they enjoyed it. So, they had an eye for the wealthiest guests too. They noticed who had the nicest horse or wagon. Many of the victims were heading west to claim land, so they often had cash and supplies. Oh, here we go. They would sell the horses to locals, and apparently no one asked any questions. Like, hey, where'd you get this horse? (laughs) How did you sell me a horse yesterday? (laughs) Right? (laughs) How horrible was this, though? These poor, exhausted, and road-weary men, they were just looking for a hot meal and a bed to rest, and they met their fate at a place that is supposed to bring warmth and comfort. It's, Mm. It's very diabolical. Yes. They're greeted by this gorgeous and vivacious Kate Bender. She'd been flirting with them all night, so the last thing they would expect is to be brutally murdered by this crazy knife-wielding psycho. By the way, speaking of, like, motel slash inns, uh, Psycho Forever changed motel showers for me. Just a little bit of insider information. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's very creepy. I don't know if it would scare you that much. It I think scared that was, me. I think that was the first horror movie I actually saw. That was even pre-Exorcist. And I just remembered this wrinkled up raisin lady sitting in a chair. And of course, the infamous shower scene. Oh, absolutely. Is that a John Hitchcock film? Yes. Yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred, yeah. John Hitchcock. John's <laughs> other brother. You're thinking of John Hancock? plot twist they're the same man (laughs) he's actually a vampire (laughs) (laughs) the blender blender (laughs) i'm tired i keep messing my words up (laughs) the blender family (laughs) The Bender bloodbath could have continued for years had they not murdered the wrong person. I mean, it was bound to happen, right? They got greedy and they overestimated how much they could get away with. And one of the saddest stories coming out of the Bender Hotel of Horrors was the murder of a widower named George W. Longcore and his little girl. He was a German immigrant and former neighbor of Charles Ingalls, the father from Little House on the Prairie, based on a real family. Mm -hmm. He had been on his way to take his daughter to live with her grandparents in Iowa. 
Prior to their journey, Longcore had purchased a wagon and team of horses from a Dr. William York in Independence, Kansas. Dr. York had influence and very powerful brothers. One of his brothers was a senator, and the other was a colonel and Civil War veteran. And when Dr. York learned that Longcore and his daughter had gone missing, he decided to investigate. He set off to look for them on March 9th or 10th of 1873 on a very high-end horse, and he was carrying about $1,000. He was never seen or heard from Mm -hmm. again. Dr. York was missed immediately, obviously. He was very well known. And unlike many of the other Bender victims who were kind of anonymous and they were from out of town, they weren't missed right away. Many important people began looking for him. His disappearance was published in national newspapers. Search parties began combing the area immediately. This was big news and everyone was following the story. York's brothers spared no expense on the investigation. Rivers were even dragged for his body. Their searches led to the discovery that York had stopped at a small store and mentioned to the clerk he planned to stop at the Bender Inn for the night. In early April, Colonel York and a group of men working with him to find his brother went to talk to the Benders. They reported that, yeah, they recalled Dr. York stopping in for a bite to eat, and then he left. Kate was there at the time and offered to help locate Dr. York using her psychic powers. (laughs) She is quoted as saying, I'll find your brother, even if he is in hell. Wow, the shade. Right? Bold. The colonel declined her assistance, however. A public meeting was held in Cherryville, where they discussed the town's now national spotlight. The disappearance of Dr. York shed light on the fact that several other people had gone missing over the last two years in the area. Now, finally, they're like, hey, my brother passed through your town and I never heard from him again. So now people are starting to realize Mm -hmm. that there's some commonality here. Farmers began volunteering that their farmland could be searched, and Pa and John Jr. even attended this town hall meeting. I mean, you know, they say serial killers will often go to the site of where a body is discovered if a group of people have gathered. Just trying to blend in. Exactly. They're trying to look normal. They're and worried. Exactly. So now the Benders realized that their days were numbered. After this town hall meeting, they immediately packed up their wagon and their little dog, and they left. April 9th, 1873, about 16 miles away, an abandoned wagon was discovered near a train station in the town of Thayer, Kansas. The wagon was riddled with bullet holes. The horse is still attached to the wagon and starving, and their little dog was found hanging out around the area. A few weeks later, neighbors discovered that the Benders had skipped town after a famished calf was found penned up on the Bender property. The interior of the home was a mess, and it looked as if some papers had actually been burned in the fireplace. The Bender's hasty departure found its way to Colonel York. He sent his men to search the Bender property. They found three hammers, the knife, and partially burnt voodoo dolls. Whoa. They also found several Zodiac symbols carved into the floor. Then they discovered the trap door. When they opened it, they were blown away by the stench. 
the entire floor of the cellar was covered in a layer of sticky, putrid blood. And a couple of them were even brave enough to climb down in there Uh, to look uh, for bodies. Yes. Uh. (laughs) But no bodies were found anywhere in or under the cabin. They even rigged up something to the structure and pulled it off of its foundation, hoping to discover some bodies. But they didn't find any. Colonel York was beside himself that he did not find any proof of murder in the cabin. He sat perched on his wagon, feeling desperate and despondent. From where he was sitting, he had a good kind of bird's eye view of the Bender property. His eyes gazed out over the land and orchard, and something odd caught his attention. Several oblong, narrow depressions in the soil. He stood up on his wagon and shouted to his posse, Boys, I see graves out there. Boys, I see (laughs) graves out there. Something like that, yep. (laughs) They began prodding the depressions with the metal rod, and one was pulled out with hair attached to the end of it. They began to feverishly dig, and the first body they uncovered was that of Colonel York's brother, Dr. York. Oh, yeah. Legend has it that up to 35 bodies were uncovered, but may really have ranged somewhere between 8 and 11, depending on what you read. Most had died of blunt force trauma and cut throats. Some were stabbed multiple times. They also discovered an unidentified young woman. George Longcore had been buried with his young daughter, and she was found with a piece of silk cloth tied around her neck, but they couldn't really ascertain if she had actually been strangled or simply buried alive underneath her oh, dead father. That's mm. terrible. Ugh. Bastards. The Benders made a clean and swift getaway. Now remember, this was weeks later, so they really had a lot of time and they got a major head start. It is believed that they had as much as $50,000 in their possession in in 1873 compared to today. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. Four people matching their descriptions were seen boarding a train in Thayer, Kansas. After getting on the train, they vanished. This really shook the community. The people of southeastern Kansas were especially disturbed by a possible occult connection and the fact that a child had been murdered. All of this had gone on unnoticed for two years right in their own community. People were enraged and mobs set off to try and locate the Benders for some vigilante justice. Rumors ran rampant that the Benders had gone north, south, east, west, and that they had been killed in a shootout. The state of Kansas offered a $2,000 reward for anyone who brought them to justice. The benders were now infamous and the public was obsessed and paranoid. People believed that they had seen Kate all over the world. Places like Paris, Havana, Mexico City. I mean, she was getting around. Some people even claimed that she had started dressing as a man in order to work as a cowboy. Because that would be like a great job, I guess. The Benders had become a freakish legend. One owner of a theater charged people 25 cents to see two people that he was touting to be Ma and Pa Bender, and they would come in and pay and see these two people sitting there on display. (laughs) People paid for weird stuff back then. 16 years after the graves were discovered on Bender's property, two women were arrested in Michigan on suspicion that they were actually Ma and Kate Bender. They were taken to Kansas for a hasty and disorganized trial that was described as a joke. 
No one could decide if they were the real people or not. As there were no photos, it was hard to determine who they actually were. And now this is 16 years later, and they would have been older, so it would be hard to identify them anyway. Even a former boyfriend of Kate's couldn't say for sure if the woman arrested and present in court was actually her or not. The women were eventually released. For many years, there were a lot of people in Kansas who believed that the Benders had actually been killed in 1873 after their bullet-ridden wagon had been discovered near the train station in Thayer, Kansas. It was a common belief that the Benders were no longer alive. There were also many men who bragged that they themselves had killed the Benders. Now, really, I highly doubt that they were killed in a shootout with their wagon. Hmm. I think that was totally a setup that they probably shot the wagon up themselves for the simple fact that if someone had come to rob them while they're trying to make their escape, sure, maybe they would have murdered them, taken all their supplies, but why would they have left the horses? Horses could be sold for good money. Yeah. So there's no way that they would have been robbed and murdered and then these mm-hmm. robbers would leave the horses. Yeah. yeah. So clearly they staged this whole thing. And it was kind of near the train station too, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. I When you were telling that part of it, I thought, nah, they staged it. Exactly. So they shot up their own uh, wagon. The horses were okay. They let the dog go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. In 1908, someone even declared on their deathbed, that he had been the one to slay the entire family. But this was never believed to be true because I guess there were multiple instances of deathbed confessions to killing the Benders. What? That's such a weird... I mean, you know, know your brain's in such an odd state at death anyways, but to claim that of all things... To go out in a blaze of glory, I killed the Benders. (laughs) The tale of the Bloody Benders is the stuff of Wild West legend. I mean, hey, you're just going after your own piece of the American dream, right? They saw an opportunity and they went for it, just like all the other dreamers heading west with plans to start a glorious new life. I'm joking. (laughs) But the real story was always about her. Kate was now a legend of her own. A gorgeous femme fatale disappeared into thin air and people were obsessed. But obsessed with how they believed she could have died. They identified her as the leader of the Bender clan, the brains and the beauty behind this demonic quartet. The worst of the bunch and people told many stories of how she went down fighting like a wild animal. People could accept that Ma and Pa Bender as being hardened criminals or John Jr. being simple-minded and easily persuaded, but they really struggled to accept that Kate could be a monster. She was young and beautiful and fit well into Cherryvale society. Shouldn't she have known better? How could she have done something like this? Multiple accounts of their alleged deaths circulated around the country. They were caught and lynched, Kate fought the hardest, or they were chased into a cornfield and shot down. And in all of these stories, Kate didn't go down without a fight, and she had the bloodiest and most brutal death. It frequently took more than one man to bring her down. It was like people were fantasizing about how they might kill her or how they thought she had been killed. But the truth is, the true fate of the Benders was never discovered, and this violent, horrific story lives on in American lore of the trials and tribulations of the Wild West. That is the end. Nobody ever found them. Interesting. Isn't it's, that a crazy, crazy story? Yeah. Bananas, right? And that 
all these people were kind it's like you know fan fiction before uh fan fiction was really a thing yeah they were just like putting themselves into the story because it was so you know sensational and and people wanted to hear crazy tales like that and it would just make up whatever they you know they were only limited by their imaginations and everybody wanted to be a part of it It so crazy to me yeah wouldn't this make like an awesome like netflix limited series (laughs) i mean you could just it could be like a black comedy or i think it would just be amazing yeah somebody netflix make it i would binge that i would totally binge that so thank you again to tori telfer for writing her fabulous book lady killers everyone go check it out it is a very fun read well thank you everyone for joining us for another lady killer episode Send us a shout at SpooktacularNowPodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at SpooktacularNow and Instagram at the Spooktacular Now. This week's five-star review comes from Apple user, and pardon this lengthy name, 197391951-wordgame. And they wrote, love this podcast. I love spooky, mysterious stories, and this podcast fits the bill. Bonus for the fun banter between the hosts. Thank you so much, Mr. Word Game. If you weren't a mister, my apologies. Your love and support is most appreciated. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.